Good afternoon, fellow Gooners. Welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host, Aiden. How's it, guys? Back in the top four after being out there for a bit. Uh, two good professional results. We'll get into the Southampton game first. Uh, we thought it may be a tricky affair, but Arsenal showed very early on the intent that they weren't going to be bullied at home. Yeah, very clinical performance with Ramsey captaining the side. Um, Emery mixing the side up somewhat from the party game we, we brought in. Leno, Socrates, Torreira, Kolasinac, Ramsey and Lacazette. Uh, they came in for Czech, Kosielny, Nacho, Guendouzi, Ozil and Alba. Um, Arsenal sprang out fast out of the traps, catching the Saints totally on the heels. Um, I think the only one chance that they had like very early on Southampton was where Longball got moved into the box and uh, into the Arsenal off, sorry, and uh, Nathan Redmond ran in on the Arsenal goal, but it was like quite good work by Mustafi and Leno to, you know, manage to hold the ball out. Um, we take the lead on six minutes uh, with Iwobi getting down the left flank. He whips it across, eludes Torreira. Was actually all down by Jack Stevens, and I think the ref was just allowing play to go on because I mean it was right in front of the ref. Yeah. Um, the ball reached Mkhitaryan, who shot that goal. Like a look, it seemed somewhat wayward, but I mean with like I said, being played onside by Vestergaard, he managed to backheel the ball past Angus Gunn. One nil. And I think it, I think it was a good. Uh, you know, I'm glad Mkhitaryan got in on the assist. It seems like you know he's growing a bit at Arsenal. I'm not saying you know he's hitting the team a light but you know he's getting assists he's chipping in with goal so i'm happy for him at the moment i mean if he can keep this form up i'm sure it's he's, he's, he, i think he's a confidence type player and if you can keep up this confidence keep on going i think you know he, he can add a lot to this team i think it's very neat finish by like i said you know that, yeah. that that is something that was always like sticking in my head that comment that you made i mean even in the off season even before we started doing um you know these podcasts and that you used to tell me you know my is a player that you know, he needs almost like an arm around him, whereas Mourinho was not going to give him really that, you know, so I'm like, you're going to have to walk on your own. And with Wenger, with that final part of his career to, at, at Arsenal, it was almost like he was, he didn't really, or didn't want to get too attached to the players going, you know, as his career yeah. was now waning down. So, I mean, now with Emery, you now maybe have a manager like that that's going to, you know, come on, you know, get behind the player and, and stuff like that. And I mean, you, as you said now, you do see that now because it's almost like he, he's just picking it up, picking it up like it. And I think while that momentum is going, as you said, with the with the, with the way he's now being chosen also in. But I think with with morale, it's also now going to be booming with him because, I mean, of course, we're still going through the other games and that. But I mean, if, if you see the level he played on that um, the, that weekend game, and then you see how he upped the level again for the, um, the game, yeah for the Bournemouth game, and then you think of. Look, what's probably going in his head for come like for tomorrow's North London derby? So, you know, it, it bodes well for him. Um, I think also before he got injured, sorry to interrupt again. Um, before he got injured, he scored those two goals, and I think that that helped his confidence a bit. You know, and he picked up the injury, and you know, sometimes you're in a good shape of form, and you know, you want to get back on the field, and I think he wanted to get back on the field, and even that was it when you played Huddersfield. He, I know he didn't set the game alight as well, but he did little things here and there as well. It was good. And it was also that, that through ball he gave to Iwobi, where Iwobi could have made it 3-0. So he's, he's, he's doing something when he's on the field at the moment. 
Because, I mean, he's also adding that sort of drive that we've been asking for, or, you know, that, that something yes. that lacks sometimes. Because, look, it's all good and well. Sometimes when Iwobi is going forward, but sometimes he does not know what to do in the final third. Whereas, you know, what's ticking in, in Mkhitaryan's head already. Like, it seems like he has, like, a... You can, you can almost, like, see in advance already one or two steps ahead of the defenders, like, what he wants to do, where he wants to place the ball. Yeah, that's right. And then on 14 minutes... You know, Southampton slowly start dominating position. Um, in the yeah. Well, Stuart Armstrong has like a header diverted by Kolasinac. Matt Target, it's the rebound, forcing Leno into like a first, like a second or second meaningful save. Um, Arsenal, yeah, yeah. Arsenal's pressing game forces Southampton into an error. Angus Gunn misheats his clearance um, straight to Iwobi. Uh, Nigerian calls the ball into Mkhitaryan, who drives the ball home with clinical precision. 2-0 Arsenal. I think that's the kind of start we asked for. I know you always mentioned it, like, you know, the Invincibles would come, blow the team away, and, you know, just the rest of it, you know, probably go into professional mode, see the game out. Because I, I know people were, were mentioning, like, ah, Arsenal should have punished and driven over their advantage. Yes, like I said, probably could have had a hat-trick by the end of the mm -hmm. first half. Um, Leno also, I must commend him, like, not, it's not the first time now where the game's in the balance and he makes a crucial save. So, uh, um, big ups to Leno. But, um, I feel that Arsenal were very professional. They never, you know, left gaps because normally Arsenal at 2 up would go for a third or a fourth or a fifth mm -hmm. and then they get caught, um, napping and they go 2-1 up at the, at the break or something like that. And then suddenly the game becomes a scramble. It is a very, very clinical and professional performance. I mean, what I want to also add, in, especially in that first half, um, Xhaka was really immense in that midfield because, I mean, he was, like, you know, dictating the game from deep, you know, spraying the ball across like, into all corners of the pitch. So, I mean, it was almost like adding more pressure onto to Southampton. So, you know, it almost allowed us also that, that, that somebody like, say, uh, like, you know, his midfield partner or, or uh, like Ramsey also in midfield, allowed him even more freedom, you know, to, to run and, and dictate the game to a degree. It seems like the guys are, are feeling a bit more confident now. I know it's going to be a massive um, title, not title, top four race at the moment. And I feel, I know I don't get too ahead of ourselves now, and we will get there, but, I mean, if we can get Spurs... And knock will be one point behind him and pull them into the top four days. Yeah. And then, I mean, second half, Southampton make two substitutions. Uh, Charlie Austin and Michael Obafemi coming on for Jack Stevens and Stuart Armstrong. Um, 55th minute, Lee Steiner pulls up with a, I think, a back spasm. Uh, so, because they yeah. the fray with Mustafi going out into right back. And I mean, I did not think Mustafi did too bad of a job. Look, it's not something that he plays now in and out or probably in training uses a lot. But I mean, he was, you know, adding an extra body on the overlap, which also, you know, added to our attacking threat down, you know, either flankers. I mean, with Kolasinac and, and Iwobi also doing their thing on the other side. Um, I wanted to mention this to you, sorry. Um, didn't Mustafi play out the right back for Germany a few times? Like, you know, when he, yeah. in international games. So he wouldn't be a bad, you know... Second choice, even though, or even the first choice, if you want to play Mustafi. Um, you know, like, look, sometimes we can get very critical about him, eh? but I just think he actually does a better job. Me as well, me as well. Not on the right. I, I definitely agree with that. 
because because I mean, uh, if it was now, it's also like a toss up between Mustafa and Lichtsteiner. I'll actually opt for Mustafa because even his judgment on the flanks was better. Like, you know, he knew whether to drop off or whether to attack the ball and whatever. And I mean, when he was attacking the ball, it was with way more intent than what we now seen. With like when Michael Niles is gone in at right back, Lichtsteiner is gone at right. And he looks a bit more stable there as well, like, you know, compared to like Steiner as well. And like I said, he had the stamina to get up and down the wing. And he, and he's no slouch actually on the, the right back side. And he can cross the ball as well. I, mean, I find his crossing quite decent as well. So uh, he thought maybe a bad choice to play there from time to time to maybe, you know, get Socrates, him and Monreal on the field. I would feel safe with that kind of back four actually. Um, On 64 minutes, Obafemi came in off because he had a <laughs> hamstring pull so Mohamed L you see coming on um with 15 minutes to go and it looked uh, you know more like like as it was about to be substituted but then I think it will be Jordi's ankle yeah out of the pitch I think I don't know if you made it I think I recall you made a tackle uh you needed to come off because I mean, you could see really disappointed in Lacazette's face, thinking, "Oh, it's my number coming up." And then Emery now had to do a slight rethink or reshuffle. So Aubameyang then came on for um, Iwobi. Also, they took a, this thing out of the game with just you no know, more or less sporadic attacks. You know, as the points were now settled and whatever. So we went to the game at full time, two 0 Arsenal. I think it was like I mentioned, a professional performance and. We carried that on through to the Wednesday's game against Bournemouth. Yeah. And, and for me, we, we showed that intent again. We came to the area to show them, we're not going to allow you to settle in, in and you know, park your bus. Because Bournemouth came there to park the bus and he turned the counter-attack. And within no time, within four minutes, yeah. Mesut Ozil, you know, um, brilliant finish. And for me, um, it was... He sorry, it was um he show he wanted to show himself, uh, you know, prove himself, prove his worth to Emre and to Arsenal because it seemed like he was playing with more fire mm. um, against Bournemouth. That that little dink of his I'm like now his trademark, I call it yes. a little dink because it's like we just stubs the ball into the ground and the loop takes it over the keeper. I mean it was a brilliant finish. I mean even like oh, I was after the game, I mean when I was going through different um, sports channels or sports networks listening to the pundits talking and everybody was talking about that ball and i mean even like on match of the day ian wright there were gary lineker was asking Ian Wright to almost like kind of explain that whole formula of ozil's finish but yeah i fully agree with you that performance of ozil it reminded me somewhat of that Leicester performance of the season also yes where he was like all over the place and i mean i think we are come uh, we're a person i like this is my, my opinion now the for me, the biggest difference was like for, with Leicester in this game. Now he actually did more tackling wise, also because I think he was also thing that we had actually stood out where he made a tackle in the corner, in our corner, in our half, where uh, Burn Bournemouth were trying to you know almost like uh, uh, play themselves out of that corner, and he actually took the nick the ball off and managed to uh, get the ball forward to Jenkinson. Who almost like yeah. started another attack. So I mean it was great work. And I mean it was like a grafting performance. I'm not saying he was now, you know, at all times uh shielding the team and whatever, but you know, where he could and whatever you could see he was getting his body, you know, in the in the mix or running into that pockets of space, the type of performance that we almost like 
yearning for normally with regards to him. And I think Mkhitaryan's been also doing that as well. And now we complain about Mkhitaryan not tracking back and stuff like that. But it's like the two of them now actually you know, starting to add a bit more to the game. Now. And I think maybe they are listening to what Emre mm-hmm. is expecting from them. You know, work back if you lose the ball. And yeah, just try to, if you're not in the game, try to put yourself amongst, like, you know, the, the thick of things. Uh, Bournemouth, you know, did start trying to carve out chance from the so 19th minute on. Uh, with Ryan Fraser hitting a venomous shot, which Leno managed just to palm away. Um, one thing I, I did notice in the game, I don't know if you pick up uh, picked up on it. Um, when they was when we were like swarming them for the majority of that first eighteen minutes or so, Eddie Howe actually sent on a a little note to Ryan Fraser, and that yeah. was like a kind of message like for for uh, a force formation change. And you could actually see the minute that that uh, Ryan Fraser read that note and you know you know barked out whatever orders it was on that note. You could see that for the formation change, all of a sudden Arsenal's dominance started waning because now all of a sudden no time we had on the ball, the game was way way more compact. So you know we weren't getting that that the way we were almost like passing through them in the first yeah minutes or so that was gone. And then, I mean, after, what was it, 27 minutes, a kind of moment of madness where the Cherries kind of shot themselves in the foot where Adam Smith needlessly gave the ball away. I mean, they were already on the front foot, but, I mean, they were, was like, knocking the ball about in their half. He hits the ball straight, I think, to Mkhitaryan. Yeah, across goal. I mean, that's a cardinal sin. I mean, though, I mean, even in junior football, you tell you guys, never hit the ball across your goal. And then, I mean, it was like a brilliant little one-two between Mkhitaryan and Ozil with a German playing the Armenian to actually tap the ball into an empty net. So we went 2-0 up. Um, on 30 minutes, a uh, kind of blackout moment for Arsenal as Gwendozi was caught in position by Dan Gosling, who in turn squared the ball to Musset to roll the ball into an empty net. 2-1, Ars- uh, 2-1 Arsenal, but a cheap goal to concede. You know, again, I kind of, that, that is something, I think that's what you also mentioned a while back, where that is where you actually feel sorry for someone like Leno. Because, look, that guy wants to keep a clean sheet. I mean, in a game that was probably going to go only one way. But it's like, you know, these type of things, that almost like erases all that. Because it's not like stuff we can actually, you know, still try to make a save. It's not like he's just being set up like that, where they're just knocking the ball past him through an error like that happened in front of him. And then it's like just a little tap in and he you know, has zero chance to get to the ball. Yeah, I think, you know, that, that uh, as a youngster, Gwendoz, he probably had that lapses in concentration. So it's something you you will get on with, you know, when the, the longer he played. But I mean, it's, it's a, a lot of Arsenal's goals. If you can look back to this season, it wasn't really individual brilliance or, you know, they really carved this open. It was us making individual errors, which cost us a lot of points. If you go back to think about Crystal Palace and yeah. last-minute penalty or just before, like, in the last dying embers of the game, against Wolves, we gave a stupid goal away. Liverpool, we gave stupid goals away. I mean, we could have actually, I'm not saying, oh, we could have been in the tight race, but we could have been there and there, but probably like in a Spurs situation, because we threw a lot of points away, actually. We gave points away. And I mean, if, if you goals. think of what we had to do now to get, say, certain, I mean, not saying all, because, look, there was also errors, blunders in, in games that we played other teams. Yes. Like, if you take now the Bournemouth game, had like a, a kind of blunder. The Southampton game also had a blunder. But I mean, other than that, Arsenal normally have to, you know, you know, burst, uh, have to burst the gut to 
you know, create those chances to somehow carve out something out of nothing. Whereas, I'm mean, like, we gifting teams, you know, these type of goals that you have. Like, you, yes. you look against Brighton, that was two points dropped against Brighton. We had the lead, and then they just took a long ball over the top. We couldn't see the goal. United also, stupid error. Jesse Lingard somehow got ran through the defense. I mean, that's another two points dropped. Wolves at home, two points dropped. And I mean, losing 3 2 against the. Uh, Struggling Southampton, but also unacceptable. So you add these points together, it's six points we could have been better off. And I'm not saying um, that, you know, that uh, we could have been title challengers or something like that. But if you iron out that mistakes alone, be more solid at the back, and then, you know, take it from there. And oh, I well, actually feel that, yeah. You know, one goal that like, for me still haunts me. I mean, uh, I know you're in the rundown you had now with the games, and but for me, still that that goal, goal of Declan Rice against us, where oh yeah, you know, the shot gets taken. One of our players blocks the ball, which of course takes our goalie out of the equation, and that guy just smashes the ball. You know, it's like without the goalie even making a reaction to get to it. You know? Yeah, so, and you can't be like messing up with those type of games, but you know, hopefully, come the next few fixtures we can show the same type of performance we have been showing because i think we 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 at the moment or prior to these games it felt, it felt to felt like to me that we never had that identity you know with george graham you know arsenal had the identity of you know solid back four boarding boarding arsenal getting the result then you had the wenger rain where you know wenger ball trying knocking teams off the park but at every at the moment it's almost like the, the team didn't doesn't know what their true identity is as a as a team, how what's their strategy and stuff. But I think you know slowly but surely you can see the team is starting to get into it now. That pressing kind of game, mm-hmm. trying to maybe get the early goal and then you know dominate the game from there. Um, in the second half, Kosciolny uh, managed to bag a third, a third goal for Arsenal of the great work again by Mkhitaryan, who you know managed to get almost like an overlap run in on on the. Uh, Bournemouth defence managed to cut the ball across the box. I mean, it was kind of scruffy finish, but I mean, you know, we'll take it. Managed yeah. to, you know, loop over the line. I mean, the keeper managed to get it over, but I mean, the goal line technology showed the ball was, you know, clearly over. Um, Arsenal then kept on, you know, swarming Bournemouth now because it's almost like, you know, the windows are kind of knocked out of, of, of Bournemouth cells after that because. Look, they had actually a strong finish to the first half, and I thought they would have that to you know go into the second. But I mean, with us scoring so quickly in the in the second half, you could see that was a moment that almost like you know broke the camel's back kind of thing. Um, within in the 59th minute, uh, a great run from Mkhitaryan in our own half. He manages to burst past I think three or four midfielders of of Bournemouth, manages to thread the perfect ball between the two uh, Bournemouth centre backs. To play in Aubameyang, who races through, runs around Boruc, and coolly rolls the ball into an empty net. Four-one Arsenal on the way to th- on the way to three points. Um, Mkhitaryan then walked off to a standing ovation in the 64th minute. Uh, he was subbed by uh, Alexander Lacazette. Um, I think 71 minutes. Denis Suarez came on for Aubameyang. Uh, we then win a free kick on 78 minutes. Like I said, a brilliant free kick bent in, you know, evading wall and goalkeeper to make it 5-1 on the night. Uh, the only big worry for Arsenal, uh, Kosk went in for a tackle in the 87th minute. 
uh, you got thrown down by Joshua King. I mean, it was purely accidental. But I mean, you could actually hear on the touchline, you know, of course, he only screaming in pain. And I mean, many were thinking he did his knee in or something. But I think it was more just like a jarring of the, or not jarring, the a bruising of the, you know, the studs onto bone. You yeah. Know? So, you know, he managed to somehow shrug it off. So let's just hope. He's now, you know, fully fit for the game tomorrow, the North London derby. Uh, not not a bad week for Mkhitaryan, you know, it was a two two goals and three assists in the two games we played. Yeah, I'm in form play at the moment. And what is also vital for me, if you look at it, I was just looking also at, at player stats. I mean, that, that game of the weekend, that Southampton game, I think Xhaka went in as... Man of the match for that game, and I think uh, Mkhitaryan was rated very highly for the Bournemouth game. So you know, almost like everybody looks on the ball at the moment, and and I mean, what is also key for me? Um, I think one of the journalists that I was listening to on Thursday or Friday night was actually saying uh, one thing he noticed, like because he was in the ground watching the match. Uh, he said, uh, you know, when when Arsenal scored, I think the f- could be the fourth goal. He said all the players, I mean, but for Leno, all of them actually got into this tight, tight idol. And then you could see they were not only congratulating each other, but they were also talking. So I just wonder if it was more like, you know, you know, we can do this, you know, we can really push now, going to the final straights of the season. Yeah, and it's going on to the big game tomorrow against Spurs. It's good to see everybody's in good morale and good form at the moment. So hopefully we can take it through against the struggling Spurs side as well. I mean, look, no doubt Spurs will be up for it. I mean, we've seen North London derbies where, you know, we've been on a run of losses and, and, and Spurs on a, on a run of wins and we managed to turn the tables. So, you know, anything can happen. So I just think to myself, you know, be very weary because you don't know. Look, they also have almost like issues with their teams. Like uh, some, there's some that I think, some like Eric Dyer hasn't been training for a while because he's got tonsillitis. Delhi Ali will not be risked, I think, until mid-March. So I think the, the, the key men again for Spurs will probably be, you know, your Harry Kane's, your um, somebody like uh, Son and, and uh, Ericsson. But I mean, for me, Ericsson is... I mean, I, I know many people go on over Kane and whatever, putting the ball away. In it, but for me, that Kane does not get the ball if Ericsson is allowed to play. And that is, for me, the linchpin for the Spurs team. I think you can get to Herrera, maybe I need to close him down and you know try to starve him off the off the ball. Mm-hmm. Arsenal can maybe do a job. And you know, Wembley has been our second home ground. I mean, we've taken on Man City there, we've beaten them, we've beaten Chelsea when they were the champions there. So we know what it is like to play yeah. at Wembley. And we in London that we should make this our home ground and show them, you know, that we're not gonna get bullied by Spurs. We should take them because if they're under pressure. From being title challengers in the back of the head last week, this time they were, oh, we challenge, we could be two points behind City and Liverpool to, it could be now we one point ahead of Arsenal with having to play City at the Etihad and Liverpool at Anfield. So by all means, that top four race can be blown wide open with another team in it should yeah. Arsenal win tomorrow. And I'm sure all the clubs out there now, or the likes of Chelsea, um, United, everybody's going to be rooting for Arsenal. And I mean, it's also now gotten to a situation where, um, look, everybody knows 
it's like Liverpool and Man City almost like in a league of their own. It is only like now watching, say, Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man United gunning for like those last two spots. It's almost yes. like coming almost like a title race in its own right. I mean, I don't want to sound corny about it, but you know, it, it, it's playing out like a, like a full, you know, a straight out shootout with us uh, going into this last few few weeks of the season. We must just be wary that, you know, we don't want United to leapfrog us again, which which could happen, leapfrogging each other up until the final weeks. But Mm -hmm. we need to make sure we don't drop points against Spurs. Even a draw will be fine, because I think United did themselves justice by throwing against Liverpool and not allowing themselves to go behind. My personal take is when I I was just looking, because on on match of the day, they're also mentioning now the the way the season's going to now run. Like they're running for the season for March, April, May. For me, uh, like Alan Shearer was saying this, and and I think Gary Lineker as well. This next two weeks is probably gonna. I mean, uh, of course, we're always making this is important, that's important. But they say this could like make or break our season because as we, we've got Tottenham, we've got Man United, then we've got the two in between all that stuff. We've got the two rain games, and then there's gonna be a I think a, a one, either one. Or ten day break between for the FA Cup uh, fixtures, so that is where we get off, like a that like a week and a half off, something like that. So if we can take advantage of that with a mindset of look up, we can now push our players to the max. They're gonna get that like a, a full rest out because after that, then I think we just have teams like mid table teams to play from the from then after the FA Cup the uh, break till the end of the season. I think Goodison Park and I know they're very much if I think going to Goodison Park and the Molyneux is going to be very tough stadiums to go to. I mean, Wolves have shown that they can give you all if, if they want to. I mean, Arsenal has to go to the Molyneux and so does United. Mm. So so I think there as well, the, the, the clubs have to you know make sure that they get the points there. I mean, look, the question is now, because if you also look at it, the gap between sixth and like say eight, uh, seventh and eighth and it is such a big gulf already there. So you know everybody's just wondering: Are people now just going to be playing for positions now? You know, going into that latter months of the season, or okay, if you're going to now ever you know a relegation threatened team, you don't know what sort of effort they put in normally at the end. But I mean, I just think at times, like so some were mentioning, sometimes when teams hit that 40, 40 plus mark, then you see almost like very half hearted. You know, performances, especially that April month, you sometimes get that period where, yeah. you know, teams just go into that sort of lull. And, you know, the top teams and the bottom teams can only nick off points of these type of teams. I think Arsenal can do it. I, I, you know, I had my doubts. United also look very dangerous. I must give commend Solskjaer for, for, the, for the job he's done at United. I mean, they, they don't seem like they want to lose games. They don't seem like they care. Like, I was banking on them to lose against Liverpool. It didn't happen. They still have to welcome City. And they... I wonder if they... If they could... just the way, I mean, what, what impressed me about them was like just the way they're dealing with the injuries. Because you know I can't really stand them. And I was now looking for different, you know, permutations like how or what can be the downfall. And I really thought, you know, all those injuries would, would now be some, you know, part of it. But I mean, they seem just to be getting stronger and stronger, and whoever's coming in is just adapting, adapting, adapting to the squad system. Speaking of squad system, I'd like to bring up Dennis Suarez at the moment. Like, what's happening? It's third of it's the first of March. 
I doubt you'll be playing in the North London derby. Because um, he hasn't got much minutes under his belt. Is Una Emre maybe because he's not playing, had played a lot of football previously, trying to you know, slowly start to get his match fitness up before throwing him into a big game? Or what is happening because he's like, it's almost end of the season and he hasn't contributed in anything. And I think you also mentioned it to me if the guys want to go, you know, the listeners want to go listen, watch the training video of Arsenal on YouTube where he, he seems a lonely figure at the mm-hmm. club, standing on his own, not, you know, joining in even on the banter when they're playing that Rondo game where they try to get 20 passes or something like that. And then everybody's celebrating and stuff like that. And he was just standing there not knowing what to do. No, because I mean, I, I don't know if if, you know, if it's going to be really worth that investment if, if you don't see that sort of uh, like a like a brotherly type of feeling amongst the players or the camaraderie. Because sometimes I watch also, like, I mean, one thing I've been doing also the last few games is I watch, uh, like, when he plays, and it's not like they will only give the ball to him in an emergency if they are tight. You know, if, if people are close, but it's not like you know, randomly just give him the ball to go, you know, to play his natural game. And I think I don't know if it's like they, they don't trust him yet with the ball, or there's not that. I don't know, but it's just like a very awkward uh, relationship at the moment, you know, between that player with him being an alone player and and the Arsenal, you know, the team that's now fixed already. Very tough to call how that's going to work out. Because I mean, if you think of it, is it now going to be worth to invest like? 20 whatever million if you don't see this you know anything getting any better for him because i mean you need to see yeah. a, a sort of game where even if it's like a cameo role of like five or ten minutes or whatever he gets but it, it's like he needs to like explode on the scene and that is what we all i think all of us are actually yearning for that or wanting that but it's just I'm like it's just not coming yeah we're waiting for that, that moment of magic you know where yeah. maybe arsenal or one one Bring him on, and he just turns the game on the head with two quick goals or two assists, and suddenly, you know, the Arsenal fans are taking to him. Because I mean, sometimes you can actually hear that that it groans when he doesn't have, like, say, an outlet, and he just, you know, plays rather safety ball to the back because he does not know, you know, because uh, there's a lot of times you see also that misplaced passes between him and the other players when, when you know, he has the ball, and it's like you can see they don't really read each other. It, it goes, I mean, of course, both ways, but you can see. That is actually his thing at the end. It's almost like come out somehow out of his shell because he looks like a very shy type of guy. I mean, you know the quality is there. I mean, he's performed quite well for Villarreal before, Sevilla before, and, and I mean, when he come, he played for Barcelona in the Copa del Rey. So, I mean, I, I just hope he, he, he comes good because, I mean, I would not then mind, you know, having him aboard for the 2019-2020 season if, if, you know, if things work out perfectly. And I should also give, like, I hope that Uzel now, you know, it's a step in the right direction of his performances. And it's not just like a you no know, flash in the pan type performance where it doesn't happen again for another six, seven weeks again. I think if he can, like, look, it looks like he wants to be at the club. One thing I can give him, but like, you know, respect about that, it seems like he's happy to be at the club. So, I mean, if we can all get behind him and he can also get behind and work with Emre. I think we can have a decent player, but it's also we need to kind of then get, you know, like you always mentioned this, like two enforcers behind him to kind of protect him and make him know like, okay, you go do your thing with the ball because Uzo can destroy teams. And it seems like 
Aubameyang had that connection, like, you know, always like to make the run and Ozil can um, give that ball. It's just unfortunate sometimes Aubameyang gets caught offside when he shouldn't be because he has space to give anybody a start and beat them. Yes, uh, and with that, we will bring this podcast to a close. Um, I hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Um, I seriously hope we get, you know, the maximum points. I mean, even a draw, I think I could actually deal with as well. Um, All the best for the weekend, everybody. Enjoy. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast as well. Uh, I look forward to next week where we can discuss our two games, the Spurs game in depth and the Ren game. Goodbye and enjoy the weekend, guys. Enjoy the North London Derby, guys.